We're getting back to our series um, that we've been in for the past uh, while called Dumb Things That Smart Christians Do. Dumb things that smart Christians do. And you're like, man, is the pastor calling me dumb? No, I'm calling you smart. But I'm, we, we're, we gotta come to that point of recognition that even smart people can make dumb decisions, can kind of stray into things that really end up, well, impacting our lives pretty negatively and uh, can cause trauma in our own lives, cause damage in other people's lives, just dumb things. And today, we're talking about the dumb thing of living distracted. Everybody say, living distracted. So I have a question for you. Have you ever heard of something called the shiny object syndrome? The shiny object syndrome. Now listen, we can all fall in to the shiny object syndrome whenever we're like chasing after that thing that like is the shiniest, it's like most glittery, it just like captures our attention. And whether it's helpful to us or not, we just kind of like try to capture that because these things are designed to steal and capture our attention. So kind of like a fish being drawn to a lure, right? That's meant for its destruction. But like a fish drawn to that shiny lure, we can kind of fall into that same pattern and it's actually called the shiny object syndrome. If you've ever seen a guy walking through the Home Depot tool section, you may have seen the shiny object syndrome at work, right? Or ladies, I don't know, maybe just walking through the shoe department at Nordstrom's or Macy's, you know, it's like, ooh, look at that, that's new, that's shiny, I like that, right? We can all fall prey to this shiny object syndrome. And you know what, advertisers know this. Do you know that this year, that advertisers, this is just in America, that advertisers are projected to spend $276 billion. That's a whole lot of shiny objects to dangle in front of us and capture our attention. And that is up 150% just from 2015. $276 billion. And guess what? It's meant to distract us. You know, because whenever we're attracted to something, that shiny object, it means we're also being distracted from something else. Have you ever been distracted by social media? Social media. You know that what, what studies have shown is that the average American spends two hours a day on social media, two hours a day. That's a lot of distraction. And sorry for students and youth that are here. uh, They say that actually students spend three hours a day on average. And that that some uh, young people actually spend up to nine hours a day on social media. And so, you know, when you hear things about why there could be negative impact on students' lives is because sometimes 
They're living a completely distracted life. Now, King Solomon, King Solomon, King David's son, was a very wise man. He did not have to contend with social media. However, I believe that he may have had some kind of a prophetic vision about $276 billion of advertising being pumped in to try to give us all these shiny objects and, and all of this social media and clickbait, right, that we have to contend with in our lives. And this is what he wrote in Proverbs. Check this out. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27, King Solomon wrote this. He said, look straight ahead and fix your eyes, fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out straight, um, a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. I love with the Message Bible how, how it kind of paraphrases this right here. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the, the Message Bible, he said it this way, ignore all sideshow distractions. Hey, there's the fat guy. There's the bearded lady. Woo, you know? It's like just designed to be these sideshow distractions. Or I think if Eugene Peterson were writing that again today, he may just say, ignore the clickbait. Ignore the cl You know what clickbait is, right? I mean, probably most of you do, but it's, it's those little advertisements that pop up online that, you know, is like how to get rid of, you know, 20 excess pounds of, of what, something you don't want. You know, how to, how to, you know, it's like these things that are just meant to capture our attention, to distract us just enough that we'll click there. Ignore. The clickbait is what King Solomon is saying. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. What you and I look at matters. What we look at matters. Why? Because my vision sets my direction. You capture that? My vision sets my direction. My heart will follow my eyes. What I am looking at is where I am going to go and end up. You may have noticed this when you were driving. In fact, one uh, driver's handbook that I came across puts it this way. They said in the driver's handbook, it says, it's important to understand that your eyes determine the path your vehicle follows. You steer where you look. Man, that's like right on. Your vision sets your direction. Now, if you've ever spent time with good old Pastor Tim here, you will have heard me talk about something that I call the circle of God's will. The circle of God's will. For me, this is the way that I describe kind of the boundaries that God sets for our lives 
And when we're inside of these boundaries, we're going to experience his, his grace, his beauty, his blessing, his favor. It's like where we become just, just fruitful and, and have a lot of fun inside the circle of God's will. And you're like, is it like literally a circle? No, no, it's not like literally a circle. It probably looks a little bit more like an amoeba, you know, like where it's got kind of like edges that are bending and, and different things. But God gives us very clear and distinct boundaries. Where do we find those boundaries? Well, we find them primarily in God's word. In fact, even more particularly in the New Testament, we find like the boundaries that are established for followers of Jesus. When we read through the New Testament, we find like what's inside God's will, where we find that blessing and favor and fruitfulness of life, right? The, like when you think about, when you hear people talk about live your best life, guess what? It's all that stuff that's inside the circle of God's will. And then what we find the opposite is when we choose to wander outside of the circle of God's will, guess what happens? We find all the rest of stuff, of life. And it ain't pretty. You know, it's all the death and destruction and brokenness and pain and all the stuff that, men we're just trying to avoid in our life and get rid of. Well, guess what? Those are all the things that lie outside the circle of God's will. So, what's inside What's outside? Well, when we read through the New Testament, we find things like, well, love is on the inside of God's will. Hate is on the outside. We find that generosity is embedded right in the circle of God's will. What's outside? Greed. We find that faith is inside. Fear is outside. We find that virtue, having a virtuous heart, is on the inside of the circle of God's will. Lust, trying to grab and take, is on the outside. We find that truth is on the inside. Lies are on the outside. And you can just keep going about all these things that are what we find that are on the inside or on the outside of the circle of God's will. So when people come to me, and it's happened, you know, couple hundred times and people come and want to talk about, well, Pastor, what's God's will for my life? I always grab a piece of paper and draw a circle and have this conversation with them about the circle of God's will. Now, listen, if you're familiar with Scripture in John 10, 10, it's where Jesus said, I have come to bring full life, full life. Not like some like, you know, edited version of what you really could be. No, Jesus came that he, would, that he would allow us to have this fullness of incredible life. And so what we discover is this amazing, beautiful truth that inside the circle of God's will is so much beauty, so much to explore, so much adventure within that that we will never be able to experience all of it in our lifetimes. That's why he's given us eternity. Because the circle of God's will is not small. It's not narrow. It's huge and beautiful. And so what we find is that 
man, when we're living in the circle of God's will, we, we are free to make choices and to run around and to have fun and to be free to explore this fullness of life that we get to enjoy and that God created for us. How many of you want more of that? Come on. But here's what I've discovered. That whenever our vision, what we're looking at, shifts from what's inside the circle of God's will to outside the circle of God's will, that's when we get into trouble. When we are distracted by those things that are outside, guess what happens? We get ourselves into a boatload of trouble. Because sometimes we think that we can like, well, I can walk right up to the edge, right? I can walk, I'm still in, look, I'm still in the circle of God's will past, look, look at me, I'm still in the circle. But what we're doing is we got like our hands like, you know, up on the edge of the wall and we're looking out there. We're check. oh, oh, look at that. And you know what? There's another word, not just clickbait, but there's another word, it's called FOMO, right? F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. Oh, look, look at, look at those shiny objects. Look, they're, oh, look at that over there. Look at, look at that. And what we're doing is we're like, our, my, we're trying to keep our feet in there, but what we're doing is we're like staring over the wall at things that are just meant to lure us away and is designed really by hell for our destruction. And guess what, guys? Our vision sets our direction. Our heart will follow our eyes. Back all the way in the beginning of Genesis, this is something that, well, Adam and Eve discovered this because they'd been set into this perfect environment, like unbelievably fantastic beyond anything of our wildest imagination. And they were told, be free, like just be fruitful and multiply. Just like, go for it. Have fun in this environment. Only one boundary. Like we have we have to have bigger boundaries because there's a lot of sin in our world and God's wanting us to separate ourselves from things that are gonna just lead to our destruction. And so, but they only had one. There's one tree, right? God says, yeah, don't eat of this particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's like not to stay away from that. One boundary, one. But you know what? FOMO kicked in. The fear of missing out. Because what we read in Genesis chapter three is that Satan comes and he's having this conversation with Eve and he's kind of like, you know, like, hey, have you seen this over here? Oh, no, 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 it's not bad. It's really, really good. It's, it's just beautiful. Check this out. In Genesis 3, 6, this is what we read. It says, the woman, Eve, was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful. Clickbait, right there. And its fruit looked delicious. Shiny object. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of that fruit and ate it. Her vision set her direction. Her heart followed 
her eyes. Well, and the rest is history. We're living in the brokenness and destruction that was started in that very moment by what she was attracted to, distracted by it. There's another example. It's from an awesome man, uh, King Solomon's daddy, King David, who on most days was this incredible, godly leader who, man, had this huge heart for God. He wrote most of the book of Psalms. But there was one day that was a little different, and we find the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And in verse 2, it says this. It says, late one afternoon... After his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty. Clickbait. It's unusual. Shit. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. This is not a woman of usual beauty. This is a woman of unusual beauty. Right? Clickbait. And she was taking a bath. Oh, shiny objects. This led to David's greatest sin, which was really this whole cluster of really, really bad decisions. Things that were so far outside of the circle of God's will for his life. Because there was betrayal, there was adultery, and there was murder that followed his eyes. His eyes set his direction. His heart followed his eyes. And if you know the story at all, what, what you discover is what, what was the big deal about David like being at home and taking a nap in the afternoon? It's not where he was supposed to be. Right then, at that moment... His home was not in the circle of God's will for his life. If you read the story, what you, what you find out is that David was meant to be with his men on the battlefield who were at war at that moment. And here's their king, their leader, who's at home taking a nap. Now listen, God is not opposed to rest or afternoon naps. Woo! He is not opposed to those things. But in that moment, David was at the wrong place at the wrong time looking at the wrong things, okay? He was home looking outside of the circle of God's will for his life. His vision set his direction and the rest was just complete destruction in his story. One of Jesus' closest followers, the disciple that Jesus loved, John, wrote this about this very same topic. It's in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, where he wrote, do not love the world or things in the world. Now, when you're reading in the New Testament, let me just give you a hint here. Whenever you read the world, right, Basically, that shorthand for everything that falls outside of the circle of God's will for your life. 
Everything that's outside could be described as that's the world. That's why we're not to love it. We're in it, right? It's like even the circle of God's will is, you know, it's in this larger context of the world that we actually live in. But John's saying, hey, don't love the world or the things in the world. He goes on to say, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, you can't be chasing after these things and still be cultivating this life in Christ that leads to his favor, his blessing, this fruitful life. We can't be doing both. That's all he's saying here. He's not like slapping people around saying they're bad people. He's saying it's, it's impossible. You cannot live on both sides of the wall. You cannot live on both sides of the boundaries. Does this make sense? Come on, somebody. I'm going to hear you. Does it make sense over here? Come on. Does it make sense here? Here? Courtyard, does that make sense? Yes. All right. You cannot live in both places. So if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the what? The desires of the, come on, everybody, eyes and the pride of life is not from God, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with all of its desires. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. You see that last little phrase there, I love it. Whoever does the will of God, lives forever. Like when your life is centered in the circle of God's will, like I'm I'm living in the way that he has planned for me, the things that he has created as boundaries, I'm living within them. Guess what? What we find is that those are the people that have eternal life in Christ. Woo, I love that. But as John is describing here what's in the world, He says it's filled with three things that aren't from God, three things that like define what's outside of God's will for us. The first one he says is the desires of the flesh. Desires of the flesh. And when we think about that, it's like, okay, yeah, I I see that. Like, you know, if I'm just being led by my lusts and my passions, that, that could be bad. The third thing that he says is outside of God's will is pride. And we're like, okay, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that. I've read that. That God hates pride. Like he loves that humble heart, that spirit of humility. So, okay, I can see that, that pride is outside of there. But right in the middle, he says this third thing, which is very interesting, that in the middle of this short list of things that are outside of God's will, he says, the desires of the eyes. The desires of the eyes. Shiny objects that are designed by hell to draw us away from God's will for our lives. Now listen to what Jesus' words were about what we're looking at and how important this is. You may have heard this before. It comes from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five. It's where Jesus says, hey, you've heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, 
Anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In his heart. Because the heart follows the eyes. Because our vision sets our direction. He's saying, hey, everyone knows you're married, you don't sleep around. Because violating a covenant that was made at marriage before the Lord. So he's saying, hey, everybody knows this. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. And, and people are like, yep, we're, we're following you, Jesus. We've heard that before. But Jesus, oh, so good because I'm not committing adultery. I'm only looking. I, I'm, only, I'm only looking. I, I'm only going on the internet, Jesus, and looking at people that I would like to commit adultery with. That's all, Jesus. I'm only, I'm only window shopping, right? Shiny objects. I'm only looking, Jesus, and that's Jesus' point here, is that our vision sets our direction. It is going to steal away your heart. You are going to end up falling prey to those very things that you are staring at because your vision sets your direction. Your heart will follow your eyes. Listen how seriously Jesus takes this because he continues in the very next verse by saying this. In verse 29, he says, so if your eye, even your good eye, I love that, even your good eye causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body inside the circle of God's will than for your whole body to be thrown into hell outside the circle of God's will. This is a pretty bold statement that Jesus is making about what we're looking at, our vision. I, I mean, no, listen, pastor, does Jesus really expect me to gouge my eyes out? And I'm like, hmm. I don't think that was his point. I think he was making a very, very, very strong illustration here. He was taking out the highlighter on this one. When he said it, people probably burst into laughter like, oh my gosh, he is really serious about this. Because if we were to take this literally, we could just call ourselves the first church of the pirates, right? Because we would all like be walking around like with patches on our eyes, Right? We'd have like one arm that's like a little hook arm. We'd have a wooden leg. We're like, arg, I'd be out of body parts, right? Because we'd just be hacking off stuff that's causing us to like be led away. I don't think Jesus was speaking literally here, but he was talking emphatically. Do not allow your heart to be led by your eyes and places and things that are going to distract you away from true life in me. Do not live distracted. Stop chasing after shiny objects. And listen, I believe that Jesus' point here is far more than just talking about adultery. So he's using that as, a, as an example here. But, but truly, he's talking about much more. He's talking about anything that we would be looking at that would lead us away. Like that would create even like you could even say an adultery in our hearts. 
And that can happen with so many different things, even things we don't necessarily associate with like bad stuff, like, oh, that's adultery, that's really bad. But you know that like even good things, good things can become those shiny objects that we begin to like look at and chase after and leave behind God's will for our lives, right? How many people have done that with their careers? And it's cost them their family. How, how many people have chased after like their, their hobbies or chased after sports? You know, and it becomes something that, well, it becomes almost this adulterous thing where like I'm now cheating on God by chasing after this particular thing. Career, hobby, friends, education. I mean, even things that are like really good can become those shiny objects that we're chasing after that create an adultery spirit in our heart. Listen, I'm just gonna be real, but even ministry, quote unquote, ministry can become that shiny object that we're chasing after. How do I know this? Because I know pastors who have made ministry their mistress and it's cost them their families. It's cost them their marriages, cost them their ministries because they chased after it rather than staying centered on Jesus and what Jesus had for them. Anything can become that adulterous thing that we're chasing after that shiny object. Remember what Proverbs 4, 27, where we started, said, don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Keep your eyes, he said, straight ahead. Because our vision matters. So, how can we move to a place where it's like, oh, pastor, I, I may need to correct my vision. I, I may be recognizing right even in this moment that there are places in my life where I've got my toes kind of right up on that, you know, circle of God's will, and I'm like looking out. Maybe I'm caught up in pornography. It's interesting to me, and if you spend any time on Instagram or whatever, you know how interesting is it that pornography is not just naked bodies, but have you ever noticed that like people will put hashtags, things like food porn, hmm, cabin porn. And it's not talking about sexual things at all. It's talking about, oh, oh I love that. I want that. I, it's like it's talking about those shiny objects that people are chasing after so strongly that they would associate it with pornography. Isn't that interesting? It's clickbait, right? It's like, oh, I want, I want, I want more. I want, I want to see more. And our hearts follow our eyes. So if we're there at any place, how can we start to correct our vision? And I just want to finish by just sharing these three thoughts with you because I don't want to just leave you with like, don't do it, but it's like, okay, how, how might we begin to correct our vision as needed? Number one, simply become more aware. Simply become more aware. See, I believe that our focus is determined by two things. Our focus 
is determined by time and attention. Time spent and attention given. Sometimes we don't even realize how much time we're devoting to some of these things. It's like, no way. I don't fall into the average of how many hours I spend on social media. I'm not chasing after those shiny objects. I'm not falling to that clickbait. It's like, really? How about if you start tracking it, right? I mean, there's apps now on everything where you can actually track the time that you're spending. Like, just simply become more aware what might be pulling you in that direction. Like, how many hours are you watching the news? Listen, could the news become that shiny object? Oh, listen to what's happening there. Check out this story. Can you believe what this person said about about this? And it's like we can just get drawn into that and literally hours and hours and hours get, well, we get sidetracked. It becomes the sideshow attraction to our life and we stop living in the present and in the moment. So one, just become more aware. Like, might there be something that is becoming a distraction in my life? Number two, fast from it. You know what fasting is? That's just where you cut it off and say, for a period of time, I am not going to do this one thing. I think it's one of the best ways to help indicate whether or not that is not just a lure out there, not just a shiny object, but I've like swallowed the lure. Because if you start thinking about any of these kinds of things, a hobby, sports, whatever, and it's like, I can't, I can't stop that. Like I can say no to a lot of it, but not that. I can't fast from that. It may be an indication. Hello? But that thing, literally, that lure has its hooks in you and is pulling you in that direction, distracting you from the life that Jesus has for you, the mission that he has for you, the fullness of life and joy he has for you. So how about fasting? And if you know that that thing out there this is like, now that is definitely not in the circle of God's will, what I've been like chasing after. Well, then guess what? Make the fast permanent. Hey, we're going on a permanent fast. I am not going to keep giving myself over to that thing because I know that it's something that's just a distraction in my life. Third thing is this, and it's most important. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. I love what the author of Hebrews says at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12, where the author writes this, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I love the fact that, like he just says it right up there. Guys, it's a long race. Like if you're running around the circle of God's will, right? You're running for a long time. This is not a sprint, this is a marathon. We need to have endurance because there's gonna be times when we just feel like, oh, what's that over the side of the wall? You know, we start to get that FOMO spirit, like, oh, what am I missing out on? I really need to check that out, don't I? And we get led by distractions. This, it's in, we need endurance. He says, how do we do that? He says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and 
perfects our faith. He initiates our faith. Like we can't come to faith without Jesus doing what he did, going to the cross to forgive us and to wash us clean and then call us to himself in love. It's like we cannot do faith on our own. It's initiated by Jesus, our champion, and it says he also perfects it. In other words, he's going to keep allowing us to keep growing and growing and growing so that our lives, as we live in the circle of God's will, that we begin to look more and more like him. It's why people should actually refer to us as Christians. Oh, because you look a lot like Christ. Oh. He perfects our faith. Because our focus is determined by time and attention, if to fix our eyes on Jesus, guess what we have to give him? Time and attention. Time and attention. How do we do that? We, we do that through what we're doing right now, like gathering to like focus on him. It's like, no, I want to learn more about my Savior. I want to know more about this life in Christ. It's like, well, I've heard some of this stuff before. That's okay because we need more. We need to give him our time and our attention. And that doesn't just happen when we're gathered inside these walls. It happens as we spend time in prayer. It happens as we spend time in his word. It happens when we spend time in worship. It happens when we are serving other people, right? All of these things are like how I devote myself to giving my time and attention, my focus to Jesus. And guess what? Those activities actually begin to shape our heart because what we're looking at and what we are seeing is Jesus himself in his beauty and his majesty. And we're like, Jesus is my champion. So why would I want to look out at all of those losers? All that loser stuff, all the shiny objects that would be taking me away from the champion of my soul. Let's pray. Jesus, we do not want to live distracted lives. But we also were living in 2021 and we recognize how distracting this life can be that's around us. So many things are calling for our attention that when we really begin to think about it, we realize are things that are outside of that circle, those boundaries that you have set for us where we will find life. So Jesus Help us. By your Holy Spirit, by the power of your word, would you help us, Lord, to begin to focus our time and attention on you. To fast from those things, Lord, that may not be of you and we have got to wrestle through and determine, am I, am I giving too much of my time to those things that may just be this sideshow distraction, that may just be clickbait in my life and I'm missing out on those things that you would have for me. So Jesus, help us in this process. And Lord, wherever we know that we've gotten it wrong, may we have that spirit of repentance where our hearts would be broken just in recognition that we have not been following after you. Our focus has not been on you, but on so many other things. 
And that Jesus, that spirit of repentance, would also cause us then to change our path and to return to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There may be people who recognize this morning, I have been doing some dumb things. I've, I've been having my hands kind of on the wall, right? Separating me from, well, what God has intended in his will for all those things that, right? I've just, been, I've just been staring out there. I've just been captured, captivated by all these shiny objects. You know what? Such a good opportunity to say today, today, September 19th, 2021, I am calling it out and I'm walking away from that. I'm going to start fasting today from that very thing. And I think it would be really, really helpful to agree with someone about that, to just speak it out and say, hey, this is the thing that I've been drawn towards and I'm leaving in here today. Have an awesome week. Go Raiders, go Dodgers. We love you.